Hey, Aspies, it's Reed, and welcome to another edition of Inside the Asperger Studio. Today, I'm talking with Carla, a co-founder of Ames Global. They're an organization in Portugal that trains and places therapists in homes and online for those of us who have ASD and other aligning disabilities. So please check it out. And also, don't forget to like and subscribe to YouTube's and subscribe to my podcast if you want more stuff like this. So let's check it out. And I must, I always say this, I'm a psychologist, but I don't really like psychologists. <laughs> I do, I, I like some of them. Um, I, I've been in the field of autism since you know, 2002. It's been a while now. Um, and obviously went through different stages. Um, and then we created a company, myself and Annette, where we work with kids, adolescents and adults, um, by working on their interests, including their interests, and working on concepts rather than individual skills. So it's not very behavioral based where we have to hit a certain target. It's it's quite yeah. fun, actually, the way I that mean, we work from, with kids. From what I've read from your website, you place therapists either online or in person. Now, yes. that's, pre- that's interesting. Do you have an age range of where you decide if that person who is on the spectrum needs a therapist? Yeah, I, I don't think it's age range. Age range. It's more um, what the child or individual needs. So it's, you know, like somebody, and a lot of people think that we place therapists with kids that need a lot of support. And a lot of times it's not like that. It's, it's um, you know, I, don't, I know that we can't really say Asperger syndrome, but it's a lot of times it's our Aspie kids where, they just might need some support in social settings and they just might need like a mentor or a buddy where they go mm. with them to on play dates um, and just kind of like nudge them if if they want to go and introduce themselves to somebody or or let them exit or tell them, you know, maybe it's a good idea to just go and chill for a while. Um, so it, it really depends on the individual. But what we're focusing on now more so is the courses because um, we're trying to create affordable options for parents because we've seen parents go through like go to hell and back really with you know they they get a diagnosis and the and the professionals tell them you need 40 hours of therapy ABA therapy need OT need speech you need to and the kids are overwhelmed the parents are overwhelmed I mean it's exhausting for everyone yeah so we're trying to yeah I kind of understand it I kind of understand that. I mean, I was diagnosed late in life in my late twenties. Mm-hmm. We here in the U S we weren't aware of autism like the rest of the world was. So yeah. I, I mean, we had no therapy for me when I was diagnosed, we didn't know where to send me. I was put, my mm-hmm. parents tried different um, psychotherapists and they didn't really work. And then 
I came across a, um, I lost my father in 2017. And I'm sorry. Thank you. And I, my mom realized that I needed someone to talk to. And she Mm. kept suggesting places and things. And, and I got to the point where I said, if I'm going to talk to someone, it's got to be somebody who understands autism, who's worked with autism. So I did a search and I mm. came across a life coach service who where they specialize in dealing with that. But I know about cost. Okay. I mean, therapy gets expensive. Yeah, it is expensive. Yeah, and especially if you've got like all these other things, you know, you get people that say, oh, and kids need to be on specific diets and they need to have specific, um, you know, like different types of interventions. That's really horrible. I also lost my dad in 2017. Oh, my my sympathies as well to you. Thank you. Yeah. You know, it's a, I think once you're in that club, like you said, now you want somebody that understands like this is my whole thing with my friends is if I speak about my dad, it feels it, it feels very different to speaking with somebody that's going through the same or has gone through the same thing because it's it's a you know it's a horrible feeling it's like i I actually got his ashes oh i can i can show you this um his ashes are in these tattoos my dad's ashes yeah (laughs) so so he's always with me (laughs) i have my father's computer here and it's always on i never turn it off unless i'm rebooting it or doing something oh that's a cool memory too yeah Yeah. you have to have something i I felt like yeah, I mean, my father is the one who got me into computers, and my mom's like, why don't you take his mm. desk? I'm like, no, it's his desk. His computer belongs there. Oh, shit. Oh, no. cute. That's cool. Yeah. Now, are you on the spectrum yourself? So I was diagnosed with ADHD um, late in life uh, when I was 30 in Hong Kong, actually, on a business trip. Um, and then I was diagnosed again officially in South Africa with ADHD, but um, no, not on the spectrum. My partner is. He's downstairs actually working. Um, and we learn quite a lot from each other. I think it's a good mm. combination, um, yeah. just especially oh. with with you know the way that he speaks about employment i think is definitely something yeah it is tough um and the Um, types of work that works for him to give you a a kind of a figure of percentage wise of how many of us are there are out there that are unemployed it's about 80 percent and it's tough yeah that's that's bad yeah it is and what's harder is is companies need don't want to take that chance of saying, mm. hey, we'll bring you in and teach and we want to teach you because they, they're afraid. I mean, I had a friend who lost a job because of a meltdown. Mm. And now he's been out of work so long he can't get work and he doesn't and he's just spiraling down. And he's also got severe depression on top of that with ADHD. Mm. And he can't find work. I'm like, well, then you need to do the next best thing, which is create your own work, create yes. your own field. Like I have, yeah. my, I lost two volunteer jobs because of my ASD and my ASD. And mm-hmm. at that point, my mom says, you've done a lot. You've traveled, you've gone to school in England, write about your experiences, share it with the world. 
And then mm. at that point, I started my blog. Oh, that's awesome. So and it was that, your mom's idea. That's yeah, good, it was my eh? mom's idea to, to start blogging. And then from my blog, I moved into... I moved into my podcast and then my podcast. And then I, what I did with my podcast is I figured I'm, I have all these videos I've saved because when I record, it's not only for audio, it's for video. Mm. So I said, you know what? I might as well put them up on YouTube. Yeah, that's a good idea. Yeah, that's very smart. And also there's a there's a big need for adults on the spectrum to understand that a lot of people are going through this and there are ways of um of managing stress and anxiety that is minimum to change the environment in a minimum manner. So for example, uh, with the work that you were just talking about, there's a group that I'm speaking to on the 14th of April. Um and they're called uh, one of them is called NeuroWorks, one of the country, uh, companies, and they make they do a big mission on trying to do adaptations to the work environment and teaching employers about the the adaptations that they need to do. Mm-hmm. And it's really not big. Like you said, it's a meltdown. And there are ways to help somebody with a meltdown, just to give them that space to have like a, you know, even just a room where they can calm down and understand that when they go into the room that they can do whatever they want just to calm down and have some take some stuff with like sensory activities or input or whatever. Um and give them that just that space. Um so you know, there yeah. are some things that we can definitely do as um as yeah, colleagues there, yeah there is a company out here started that does that works with sensory that they sell sensory bags but not only that for like conferences and meetings and stuff mm-hmm. they will create a sensory room yes that's and, awesome man. and if you don't have the space they have a mobile sensory thing to turn a room into a sensory issue, which is really nice. Mm. Yeah, we, this is why one of the reasons why we started with the um, with the sensory range is because our kids do so well. And, you know, the myths is like, oh, children can't cope. Autistic yeah. kids can't cope in certain environments. Yeah. And they can, <laughs> but they just need to, they really need to have that sensory input and that outlet when they need it. So once they have that input, then they can, they can do whatever any other child's doing. They just need to have a way of coping. Yeah. Now, one of the questions I do want to ask is how do you choose between putting a therapist in home or online? Is it by distance? Is it by cost or is it more client-based? Yeah, so we've got, um, like you saw on the website, we've got different options, right? So we've got the option of uh, in-home therapist um, and then online. And we've got the courses where we can train up parents or or pairs or somebody that they hire that's maybe more affordable than a live-in therapist. 
and then we train them up and they do the therapy. So it really depends. It's it's more family-based, um, individually-based per family. So some families prefer, like some of our um, families in the Middle East, they prefer to hire somebody full-time that live with them, lives with them. Um, you know, they, they kind of want that therapist in the house and that's perfectly fine for us. And the child seems really happy because they've got that their best friend. Um, whereas other families prefer, especially now through COVID era, um, they prefer having somebody online. So then we can we can offer that. But we usually ask for a therapy partner. So on the other side, mm-hmm. it can be a mom or a nanny or a pair, whoever is still living with them and we can train them up and then the other option which is i mean like i said earlier we want to work towards sustainability uh, where it's not financially um, exuberant for the parents to maintain and that is definitely for parents themselves to um, be able to manage their child in various environments so that it's not just always a therapist that needs to come in, but that they know, okay, this is going to trigger my child. Maybe let's leave that environment mm-hmm. out. Let's give him more some sensory input. Let's go to a different environment or let's give him that transition cue before we get there. Um, so that's where the courses come in, where we can train the parents up. And really, like this is our, so the, the three pillars that we have is autism and neurodevelopmental disorders are complex. It sounds complex, you know, when you read up about it, it's quite complex because everyone's so different. But there's an easy solution that's affordable and it shouldn't be, it shouldn't be like this hardcore therapy where a child's sitting at a desk for 40 hours per, per week. I mean, nobody, nobody wants that. I don't want to do that ever. Um, I won't be able to sustain my attention and I would also get upset. So we really want to have more of a natural environment for our kids where Mm -hmm. they learn through play and they understand that if they want to stim, they stim. If they want to walk away from whatever we're doing, they walk away because they need that freedom to understand that their voice is important. You know, if it's, um, if they feel respected and, and heard, then they will show you that mutual respect. I mean, that's just, that's human nature. (laughs) Yeah. Now, is there a length that they will stay with them or do they choose how long they want the therapist either to have that therapist? So usually I actually did my thesis on this. Um, Usually the time period is about two years um, that a therapist stays with the, with the child and then we can fade out services. So um, there's one option of going the one way where you've got a full-time therapist and then you go part-time and then online and then you just continue with courses and the parents mm-hmm. kind of take over. Well, the other, the other way around is the parents do the courses, then they, they hire a therapist part-time and then full-time and then fade out again. Um, but honestly, if I have to say this, it's difficult to say a specific number, but I would say no less than six months because it takes a while to build a rapport with any person. Um, and yeah, I mean, I guess to keep it financially feasible and also emotionally feasible for the parent and the child, probably not more than two years. Um, I wouldn't recommend yeah. therapy right. for, yeah, not full-time therapy anyways. No. <laughs> now, have you extended to the U.S. at all? All producers so, out here? Yeah, funny enough, I actually studied in the U.S. I studied in Utah. <laughs> 
on a tennis scholarship. Um, that was that was fun. But I studied psych in Utah, and we we have some um, U.S. clients more so for the courses, and then for in-house therapy, it's very difficult because a lot of our therapists are actually from the Philippines. Oh, so yeah, so it's difficult to get them into the U.S. with the strict laws and everything. Um, so we we offer online support in the U.S. and then you know the courses and the supervision. So some of our parents in California actually asked for supervision of their therapist. So they find somebody local mm-hmm. um, that's affordable, and then we train them up and we supervise. So that's also something. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. yeah. It's a bit of a different model. So basically, you train the therapists they choose locally. Yes, yeah, we can do that. So they, so their therapists, so their therapists go for your program of training, so they have an idea of what you're all about. Yes, exactly. Yeah, so it's um, it's a bit more of a holistic support system as well. I think, um, like my partner's got two kids, and and I think it's well. He said that it's good for any parent to really go through these courses because it's it's just good advice and strategies for for any parent. It's not. I, we don't want to make the distinction between autistic kids and neurotypical kids. You know, it's like they're all children. Like this is the umbrella that yes. we work over. Um, and if one kid is not going to like, like for example, I'm taking this forty hours of therapy again as an example, but no child would like that. No. Um, no child will show progress on a consistent basis if they're constantly in therapy. So why are we making such a weird distinction between our kids on the spectrum versus neurotypical kids or other kids with with other conditions? I mean, I, I just think it's, it's silly. Now, I'm pretty sure you also deal with clients who have just anxiety alone. Am I right? Yes. Yeah. Now, how do you deal with anxiety? I mean, because there are different levels of anxiety. I got a friend who's got a sister who is so is so anxiety ridden. She can't even order food online or go out because she's how do you and she had severe reaction to medication. So how do you Mm. deal with the different ranges of anxiety? Yeah. So, I mean, again, you know, it's so difficult to give a broad answer to that, but anxiety, um, it definitely stems from not just the neurological uh, perspective, but also there is something that we can do in the environment that can help because Mm -hmm. um, you can see like all the increase now with mindfulness and meditation and those kind of uh, strategies that have definitely helped many people with anxiety. Um, it, it is a person-to-person basis, on a person-to-person basis. It's quite individualized because some people, like for example, I'm going to give you an example for, of my own meditation practice. I wouldn't want to meditate with music on, for example. I need a guided meditation because of my ADHD. I just like, mm. I think about a million things. So if somebody is not telling me, stop thinking, <laughs> focus <sighs> on your breathing, then I can't do meditation or I can't meditate. So it just yeah, depends like, on the person, I guess. Yeah. Sorry, I interrupted you. No, it's all right. I was just, I was just going to say, you're like me, is I need guided meditation. I mean, I, yes. use, I don't know if you use the Headspace app. Yes, I used to love Headspace. I actually went over now to Sam Harris's app. It's, it's based on like uh, neuroscience. And it's, uh, yeah, I like the way that he actually he uses meditation. All right. 
But um, yeah, for me, for meditation, it's got to be guided. Otherwise, too long of quiet, my mind's to start. I can yeah, literally, I can literally hear my thoughts. And that yes, can, and, and you, can, you tell, can play with them, right? Yeah, <laughs> I'm able to sit there and go, wait. I'll start. All of a sudden, I realize my mind is going off track. I'm like, wait a minute. Mm, I'm off track not here. Anymore. <laughs> I'm, I'm not. I'm off track here. I need to move back onto my breathing. Yes, we do. So um, I, I had this one yoga instructor. She was very sweet, but she told me, Carla, every time your mind starts to wander, just kind of flick the thoughts away. So I started flicking the thoughts and then I started playing ping pong with my thoughts. And it was like this big game. I was like, oh my God, I'm not actually helping myself here. Because then I became competitive with my thoughts of my ping pong game. I was like, okay, I need to start over. <laughs> well, yeah, but uh yeah. Yeah. Well, there's a sorry. There is a. Um, I'm going to be interviewing him at the end of the month. He is an ADHD specialist, and he's got the saying that ADHD is like having a Ferrari engine with bicycle brakes. <laughs> meaning, oh, that's good. <laughs> meaning that you have all these rapid thoughts going on, and you just can't stop it. Yes, exactly. I love it. I think I might use that one. We we were speaking about something this morning and I was speaking to Nanette, my business partner, um, and I was making the example of like, it's like a rabbit on crack. And she goes, Carla, it's <laughs> only you that can make up this kind of analogy. So that's, I think that's how my mind works. It's like, not that I know what a, what a rabbit on crack or anyone on crack. <laughs> but I think that's kind of how it feels like. Um, but yeah, you know, with anxiety, just to get back to anxiety, I mean, it, it really depends on the person, but I would do a strong focus on um, coping skills and understanding triggers, understanding what is your like zones of regulation? What, when do I feel in a green zone? When do I feel, when, when am I, be, am I becoming a bit more agitated? Why am I mm-hmm. becoming agitated? So it's really about self-awareness and then, once you increase self-awareness, you can then increase your self-regulation. So the way that you regulate in these different um, environments and situations with different people. So it's about learning who you are and what what irritates you and what yeah. calms you. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's good. I mean, because a lot of people don't know how to figure out what triggers that no a lot of people don't know what triggers them until it triggers yes them. exactly and then, they, and then it's and then too they, late yeah and then it's too late and then yeah. once you get triggered you don't know how to calm yourself down from that trigger yes I that's mean, exactly me, it. yeah i mean with me i've gotten to the point where i know certain things trigger me at night like when it gets mm-hmm. past a certain time i start getting a little bit agitated and i know that I need to calm myself down. Otherwise I'm just going to get too hyper. Mm. Exactly. But that's good that you're aware of that, yeah. that change in your body, because you know, like you said, most people aren't aware. And that's if you look at any relationship, if it's with yourself or with another human being, that's usually when the the arguments start and the, the kind of the ructions start is like, if you're with a partner and you're already overwhelmed because you didn't, you didn't speak it out. You didn't you know, talk it out. You didn't communicate what, 
bothered you because you weren't aware. So it really you know, it depends on how self-aware you are, not just of yourself, but also of the people around you and the environment around you. So I think, you know, I think a self-awareness course can probably be an eight-week course on its own. Yeah. Now, do you tra- do you have training for the different levels of autism because of the spectrum is so wide? I know there are those who are high functioning, and then you go down, and then there are those who have poor executive function skills who mm. need more therapists more almost twenty four seven. So we've got, um, I mean, the training that we have is a general training to understand how to how to support children more in a holistic ma- manner. And then it's, it's quite individualized when we have a client, a specific client. So then the ongoing training is according to that person's needs. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's tailor-made. But we've got, for example, one of our courses that we're going to release in a, less than a month is like a mentor mentoring course where we're going to teach... Um, Again, I know you can't really say ask the adults, but adults that have um, they have really high IQs, but their social skills might not be 100 percent and they might struggle with some of the social interaction. And just to work on self-awareness again, like work on how to manage interview skills, like going to an interview, what to dress, how to dress what kind of questions to prep for, what to do when you're in a work situation and something happens, you know, those kind of things. And relationships, that's a big topic that we're actually going to cover with one of my friends who's on the spectrum. Um, I'm not going to say her name now just because I don't know if she wants me to, but um, she's, she's somebody that's really good with relationship advice. And so that's one of the things that I wanted to speak to her about is just to how do you manage a romantic relationship? Because that's a whole different ballgame than a friendship. Yes. yes. I mean, <laughs> I have taught, I did a four part series on relationships. I mean, I've talked with psychotherapists, sexologists, experts. Um, and then a, a woman who's a partner in a clinic all the way out in Malta that has a dating program for those on the spectrum. And she's like, it's pretty successful. I mean, they go through like same thing, probably the same stuff your friend would talk about is how to dress on a date, what kind of questions to ask, what kind of signals Mm. to take, what kind of signals do you get to understand from your mate and stuff Mm. like that. So you know what's happening and not to be scared. Yes. Yeah, that's it's needed. uh, Yeah, because if you are one of those on the spectrum who are more shy and inward, you don't know all these cues. And if you're Mm. a little bit socially awkward, it makes it even worse. Yes, of course. Yeah. And practice as well. And it's difficult to practice like a romantic um, connection, but like you're you were speaking about the person with the app in Malta and that that's a good way because it's kind of like a speed date idea where you go through a bit of practice because your first one's definitely not gonna I mean you know like in a normal lifespan we go through multiple relationships so it's like you have to kind of it is all just about practice um and then learning from that now when you have when a client when a therapist is with the client 
are they do they work with him for the entire day or do they're or does the family set the times like okay i want you to work with my kid for three hours during this time of the day or is it or is there a set time that you set so we usually um our full-time therapists are uh scheduled for seven to eight hours a day but that really doesn't include seven to eight hours a day of therapy so it would be maybe an hour in the morning working on more language-based goals Mm -hmm. and then going for a long outing to the park and doing a lot of movement so we we include movement breaks every 15 to 20 minutes sensory input as well and then outings is a big thing because as well like all the autistic adults that we spoke spoke with said get our kids out there we need to we need to go and explore we need to go and practice in the real world we don't just want clinical settings i mean yeah i mean you're not gonna have anything yeah yeah, that, I mean, that's very important. I mean, and, and I'm a big proponent on that is that you need to step away from the comfort zone and get outside and mm-hmm. explore the world. Because otherwise, yes, exactly. Because otherwise, the world's just going to pass you by. I mean, I literally mm-hmm. took this st- huge step and I went to England for my master's. Which was a shock. Oh, to my that's fa- amazing. Yeah, and I, it was a shock to my f- parents that I decided to do. Well, not my mother. She was there when I decided to do it. But everyone else in my family, it was a shock. And then mm. after that, I decided to travel on my own. And that wow, was a awesome. push. And yeah, ever since that's then, the I best went- thing. Yeah. I, I mean, I fell in love with Europe when I started to travel. Just the beauty of it all. I mean, people mm, don't realize is. that Europe is a lot older than the U.S. is. Yes. And South Africa, yeah, for me as well. When I got here, I lived in Bali before, and Bali was amazing. But when I started traveling in Europe, because my mom actually wanted to move here after my dad passed, um, I came with her, and I fell in love with the architecture and the people and the culture. It was, yeah, it was something that I've never experienced in my life. But also what you said now, I mean, for me, when I I moved to America for the four years, um, that was the that was the best step for me because I learned so much by being by myself, being pushed um, outside of my comfort zone, and just learning how to to be able to have that confidence in yourself that you can actually solve your own problems. You know, obviously, you have a bit of a uh, comfort you know your parents are still there on the other side of the phone call or email but to do it on yourself it's a big thing where did you study in england i went to canterbury okay. I was in, yeah i was in the university of kent in canterbury england okay, and the, that's I mean, awesome. the way i just i went through a organization i had followed that had just dropped in my lap uh me and my mother had went to the vet one day with my dog and the girl behind the desk was talking about with a friend about this organization that helps you choose schools in Europe through England and Scotland and Ireland yeah. and, and Wales. And I think, and as I, as we left, I turned to my mom and I was like, you know, this may be another chance for me. Mm. And she's like, you know, you don't have anything holding you back right now. You don't have work. Oh, that's cool. You don't have, you got us here, but you got, we're always going to be here. Yes. So take your chance. You're never going to know when you're going to do it again. 
So oh, that's cool. I went, yeah. So I went through the organization. They helped me with all the paperwork and how to write the essay letters to be accepted and everything. And mm. then at the end, they helped me choose the schools because I told them I'd rather go to a small college than a large one and get lost and miss amongst yes. everything else. So I went to a school of about 12,000 students. I mean, Kent was about 12,000. Small campus, made lots mm. of friends and had a good time. That's awesome. So you and studied tech? Yes. I got a master's okay. in advanced computer science, computational intelligence. I should have gotten oh, my wow. master's. Okay. I should have gotten my <laughs> master's in um, autism studies, which would have been even better. Yeah, imagine. I started my um, autism studies master's also through a, a university in England. What was it? I don't even remember what the university was called now. Um, anyways, so, and then I, I had to stop because I was working full-time, so I did it in psych after that. Mm-hmm. But yeah, no, that's, it's good. Yeah, that's amazing that you went. And did, you traveled everywhere. Did you see Portugal? No, I would love to. I know my dad's been there when he was younger. I would love to go yes. to Portugal. Yeah, no, it's beautiful. Well, I mean, I'm here. You can always come and visit us. <laughs> I'd love to come and visit. I mean, I mean, I've went to Ireland, um, Greece, Germany, Spain. Oh, I haven't been to any. Okay, Spain, I've been to Greece. Um, Paris or France. Sure, yeah. And then I back still need to, to travel around here. Yeah, I need to. When things open up, I'm going to travel more. My brother actually lives in England. He lives in Twickenham. But yeah, no, other than that, I mean, I've seen Spain, but it's still relatively new to me to live in, in Europe. I think as a South African, you don't ever think that you'll be able to afford Europe. Um, but now things have leveled out a little bit. Or... South Africa has just increased um, their prices. <laughs> to know. It, must be, it must be interesting from a South African to be in a completely different country. Yeah, look, the language is, a, is difficult. Eh? Um, if you hear vi- the phone vibrating, it's actually my Portuguese teacher because she's asking me where I am. Um, the Portu- Portuguese is, a, is extremely difficult language for me to grasp. Mm. Um, just because I think it's it's just so foreign, you know, like literally foreign. Um, the pronunciation and the different tenses that you have to get used to. And my partner is Italian, so for him it's quite easy to pick up. But yeah, for somebody that's not used to the Latin languages, it's mm. going to take a while. I mean, get there. For me, when I was at school, I mean, a friend of mine just looked at me one day as we were walking, and she just turned to me and goes, it must be hard for you. I'm like, what do you mean? She's like, you're amongst, you're, you're in Europe. You're amongst all of these different foreign languages. Yeah. And you're not used to it, are you? I'm like, no, I always thought England was one strict accent. There weren't many different accents. I know there are so and, many different. <laughs> and then besides that, there were other people from other places. There were Italians. There were a lot mm-hmm. of Asians. I, I found out. Mm. I mean, people yeah. from Paris. I mean, all walks from life. It just blew my mind. And then there was that whole cultural difference. Yes, the cultural difference is definitely there. I think 
I think the British are quite similar to South Africans, a lot of them. Maybe parts of England is quite similar to South Africa. Um, so it wasn't that big for me when I went to go visit, but definitely the languages are different and the accents are completely different. And then once you go into a certain region, mm. then the accent is, I mean, I can't understand some of the, I can understand the posh English because they posh. talk usually a little bit soft and slower. But you know, when it becomes a bit like, um, country. I don't know. Yeah, country ones, I don't know. Because they've got their own lingo and yeah. own words. I mean, it's like in <laughs> Ireland. I mean, when I did that, I did a five-day tour of Southern Ireland. And the different parts of Ireland, everyone's got a di- there's different dialects. and Yeah, but Irish accent's in- difficult. Especially when you get to Gaelic and they start talking really fast. Mm. But what's yes. funny... I mean, what's funny about me is, I don't know if it's part of my autism or what, I can walk into a, I can go into a country and as soon as I hear the language and then peeking, I start talking in that, in that accent. Really? Oh, that's yeah. a good, that's a good skill to have. <laughs> and I that's literally awesome. had one of my classmates go to me, he's like, are you doing that on purpose? And I'm like, no, it's just instinctual. It just happens. I can't turn it off. <laughs> <laughs> so some people might actually probably think that oh you're making fun of them or are you actually speaking with them yeah but, um, but that's no. a good skill to have if you're going to learn the language to learn that accent yeah because sometimes like actually sometimes i speak not the best portuguese but if i say it the way they say it then they're okay with it <laughs> which yeah. is kind of strange yeah, but, um, yeah, Europe was interesting. It was very interesting for me. I mean, to see the different nuances between the old, the old antiquities and the mm. new, it just blew my yeah. mind to see how old stuff was. Yes, exactly. I don't think you know, in South Africa we're definitely not used to that kind of um, culture where you can see a statue that's been there for millennials. It's a millennia. Millenn- what is that? What is the plural of it? I'm confused with millennials. Millennials. <laughs> Anyways, yeah. So it, it was different, um, and also coming from Southeast Asia because Southeast Asia to me. You know, some of the parts that I went to, it's beautiful. It's like it's picturesque, but it doesn't have that that um, ingrained cultural feeling um, or cultured feeling. Rather. Yeah. But anyway, and so um, what? Yeah, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, the last question, the two last questions. Um, yeah. How do your clients pay? I mean, do you take insurance or do you accept insurance, I should say? So, you know, because, you know, like America is actually really good with that because a lot of the insurance companies will cover ABA services. Um, and Ooh. most of our therapists are ABA trained, but then we train them in the holistic approach. So it's not mm. a strict behavioral approach, but we need to say on the invoice then just for um, insurance purposes that they were trained in ABA just so that they know, um, so that the insurance companies will pay, which is all legally done. So yes, we can do that. Um, and some of our parents need to pay 
privately, which again, we need to work out that it is financially feasible for them. So if it's not, then we usually um, suggest other options such as training somebody locally for them so that it's not so expensive because that's our biggest thing is we don't want to the families to deplete their their savings mm -hmm. because your um your child's going to stay autistic right so you know um a lot of the organizations out there will say oh but just do two to seven years and then you know like the stuff that yeah. they promise parents and yeah, parents I mean, fall for that yeah and then there's we have one organization out here that the entire community is against because i mean they use aba but they feel they can eradicate it from these from us yeah exactly and, and, i mean autism, they're called autism speaks and, yes, the yeah. and the entire community is against them because they think it's something that you can remove it's not yeah no and it's also, it shouldn't be something that you want to remove, you know, like um, with my partner, he loves being the way that he is. He loves seeing things from a different perspective. And yeah. yes, it is challenging sometimes. Mm -hmm. And sometimes we, we have debates on, so I'll, <laughs> I'll mention to him, listen, you have to say hi to the neighbors, even though sometimes you might not want to, because um, we live here and, you know, we, we need to have a good vibe with them. Yeah. And he, like, he doesn't see the point in that, but he will do it because he knows that it's important for me, but you know, those kind of things, it, it, it is better to be authentic and to be like the way that you truly want to be. The only thing is to have to kind of understand that middle ground. Um, yeah. But yes, no, I, I wouldn't. So for our kids, we are proud of our kids being autistic. We're proud of them seeing things a different way being different if they want to stem their stem like i said you know it's like we don't stop them from doing anything that I mean, they that they need that's one of the things i talk about in my podcast and my blog is be proud of who you are be, being mm. unique is something different i mean i say yeah. there probably are more of us than there are of them of the yeah. neurotypicals because if you look I'll, if you if you sit down somewhere and people watch, I guarantee you you'll yeah. be able to pick out more mm. more people on the spectrum just by watching their their little nuances, their little traits they do. Yes, but I am definitely. Very good have you read the sorry? Go on. Go on. Have you re have you read the book Neuro Tribes where they date back um, autism? to like no, 1940s or something. It's a really good book from Steve Silberman. And he dates it back to people that um, like an artist here and a professor there and just the way that they would walk around and their little rituals and stuff. And he's like, well, you know, you think that autism has increased, but it's always, we've always been around. It's kind of like, yeah, it's a good book for me. I like it. Yeah, I mean, I am very... I'm a very big proponent on being unique. And I mean, I talk about it a lot mm. and I tell people, I mean, don't let people change who you are. Be proud of who yeah. you are and just be and be yourself. Don't let people yes. put you in a corner and say, you have to act this way in public. I mean, there are a lot of those who mask just to fit in and yeah. I'm I'm more anti-mask and saying, 
you don't need to fit in. You just need to be yourself and they need to accept that. Yes, exactly. Well, they're not the right people. So um, that's the one thing is, and then masking leads to a lot of anxiety, right? So mm-hmm. that's again, like one of because, the things that we want to stop. Yeah, because the more, because you're forced to do that, what, if you're, if you're working, you're forced to do that eight hours a day and it's taxing mm. on your body because you're forcing and it's yourself. unnatural. Yes, exactly. Yeah. You're forcing yourself to mm-hmm. act the way that your body's not used to. And by mm. the end of the day, your mind, your whole entire body's just screaming at you and they wonder why people have meltdowns. It's because people are, we are trying, those who are masking are trying to fit in and your body's just mm. rejecting it. Yeah, I saw, oh, yes, this morning, actually, I saw, or was it yesterday, I saw a video of, um, like, very strict ABA getting done to this poor little child and this therapist, and I actually felt a bit sick to my stomach because we were all trained in ABA. I was trained in ABA, and then my eyes opened up when I started speaking to autistic adults, but, um, and then I felt ashamed, you know, we actually, even myself and Annette went to some of our past clients and we said, listen, we're sorry, even though we never did it the way that this video portrayed it, but no. where this therapist is asking this child and you can see this child's face and he's bored out of his mind. He knows what's coming. And the therapist is saying, what's your favorite color? You know, it's like, it's so demeaning, like, uh, and the, the child's like blue and she goes, like prompting him to say, now, what's your favorite color? I mean, who in their right mind really asks this question randomly? No. Like, what's your favorite color? And he needs to work for a book. And it's like, it's just horrible. Oh, that. I mean, and the child, after a while, he looked at it and he said, I told you, it's blue. And <laughs> I would at that point also punch the therapist, you know, and then he's seen as the aggressive kid. Which I, I mean, he didn't. He didn't punch the therapist. He should have. But it's just like I don't want. I don't want our kids to feel like that. That frustration. Yeah. Oh. I mean, that's the big issue. Is with ABA is it? It all depends on how you are trained and how you go about it. I mean, from what I've mm-hmm. learned, ABA is what it's. It's um, reward treatment, right? Yeah, I think it's, but for me, the biggest issue with with ABA is the philosophy that they want to recover kids with autism. Oh. That, and where they say that um, you can change any behavior by either this, I hated the statement from the beginning, by changing either the antecedent or the consequence of a behavior. So basically you can force a child. Oh. Um, and, you know, that's the way that they speak about behavior and change and intervention it's very it's harsh words that shouldn't be coupled with a child i don't think no No. and that's one of the things the community is so against is that they're using them on children and they should shouldn't be doing it on children it should be done more with when you're older so your mind can understand what's happening and you shouldn't have to force them to do something they don't want them to do. Mm-hmm. No, never force any any child. No. Like hand over hand prompting. I've got a big issue with that. It's, yeah. Um, yeah, now forcing any child to do anything because you, you're not uh, you're not actually teaching that child how to 
advocate for themselves and be resilient in their own and be comfortable with themselves. You're just teaching them how to be compliant, which is horrible. Um, because, I mean, if you look at any other child, they're not compliant all the time. <laughs> you know, it's fine to be our kid, like neurotypical kids to be naughty, but if an autistic child's not listening, he's not compliant, which is very different, right? That's like, mm -hmm. that. it sounds like a soldier, kind of like a war word. Yeah, I mean, you shouldn't have to force anyone to do anything they're not. I mean, mm. that's one of the biggest things. I mean, we are who we are because it's genetics. It's the way our minds yes, are developed. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. I mean, and you can't what, change that, and you don't want no. to change that. I mean, one of the best yeah. things I was ever told is when I went away to school originally when I was right out of high school for college is <clears throat> I went to the University of Wisconsin in Oshkosh and they had a really good LD program where you had tutors and everything. And before yeah. starting, we had this meeting, we had this dinner where you get to talk with the head of the program and um senior students who have already been through it all and are ready to graduate. And this one senior told me there's a great explanation of how to define, how to tell people how our minds work. He's like, it takes a normal person an hour to process the, their information. It takes someone like us two hours because it takes an hour just to process it. And then it takes us an hour just to understand it. Mm hmm. With other things, though, it takes, I would say, with my mind and most probably with your mind, if I can make that assumption, a lot faster to to get yeah. to the answer. <laughs> so yeah. with some information, it would take me longer as well. But a lot of the other information, I'm like, okay, I figured it out. Now I'm kind of bored with it. <laughs> I mean, how do you deal with your ADHD? I mean, I... It's tough with me because I have so many thoughts going on, even learning mm. everything I learned seems to like me push back because every, I get new information constantly. Yeah, I think, yeah. So look, honestly, I fill my mind up with information to the point where I have to, I have to ask my partner to take my phone and my laptop away from me or the books away <laughs> from me so that I can actually just like eat. Um, but I think that it is important to work on the, you know, like the ways that that keep you structured so that you know that, okay, there are a few things that's non-negotiable. So for me, um, I was actually just telling him earlier, I'm so happy I've got a to-do list. Even if it's just the daily list, I've got a short-term, long-term and a long, long-term to-do list. Um, a daily list is very important for me. And then I schedule my week out so that I know Monday is blog day, Tuesday is video day, Wednesday is editing day, Thursday is speaking to professionals day. So each day is a different different theme and it keeps me also entertained. <laughs> um, but yeah, I'm, I'm quite, I need to be quite structured because otherwise... Mm. I will be working from 6 a.m. until, you know, 11 p.m., but I won't be doing anything. I'll be um, speaking to people on social media and learning from other people's posts or articles or whatever. But I, won't, I mean, I haven't even touched my to-do list, so I make sure that I schedule in everything. If you see my schedule, it's like 
I have an hour to look at social media, for example, and that's just for work because I don't really care about my private life. Um, <laughs> and then <laughs> it's like 45 minutes to go for a walk. Uh, but I need to also be scheduled uh, or flexible, sorry, because otherwise um, I get bored. So sometimes the walk would be in the morning, sometimes at night. It really, because otherwise I'll just, I'll, I'll get bored and I'll probably just, work the whole time and not get anything done again so yeah i think it, it d depends on what your mechanic mechanisms sorry oh my goodness my english mechanisms are for um to cope you know and to keep yeah. structure and if you need that because i definitely need it because i would uh, <laughs> you know all i can over. suggest a really good app for you for structure. Oh, yes please have you ever heard of timo t-i-i-m-o T-I-I-M-R. T-I-I-M. Oh, yeah. They are a small little company outside of the, or inside the Netherlands that have developed a visual planning app for those of us who have ASD and ADHD. Oh, really? And I use it daily. I mean, it works with cell phones. You basically, they give you a web calendar for free. And then you pay if you want it to sync to your phone or your watch, if you have a smartwatch. And then it's yeah. basically a visual reminder that you can create or they have their own routines that you can use. Oh, that's good. Yeah, I'll definitely so check it out. Thank yeah, you. So basically, you can create your own routine for the day, set it up for the hours. They even have icons for everything. So you can basically yeah. use that and it will remind you and have a timer for how long that thing is set. So you know how long uh, you've got. That's, yeah, that's a good idea. I, I used to have, thank you, I'll definitely check it out. Um, I used to have an app where it would switch off. It would like switch off certain apps if um, mm. if you're on it for too long. But I hate that because I get such a fright. I'm like, what, what happened? <laughs> <laughs> this is better to have like a bit of a transition queue, right? That's like yeah. what we all need. I mean, I mean uh, like with me is, I'll either start late or start early, and what ha what it'll do is the app will go through its its phase, and it'll just go from one to the other to the other to the other. Or if you finish uh, one early, you can say end this activity now. Yes, that's good. Yeah, I I might have quite a few friends that would need this too. <laughs> I mean, I use it. I mean, I used to be so bad with brushing my teeth now it reminds yeah. now i am very good at it because i follow my schedule yeah schedules are important and this is mm -hmm. what i always tell, like for especially for our kids because parents sometimes think oh no i won't i'm not going to do a schedule for weekends but we all follow our schedules i mean we all look at our phones to see what's next so it's important for everyone from a young age to have that i think it's you know it's it's um I mean, my, my life coach even says he's he's got to schedule his entire day because otherwise he don't know he'd be busy doing other things. This way, he knows what he's got to do and he follows it, so he can tell other clients, yeah. "Listen, I am busy this, this, and this," and so yes, on and exactly. so forth. Yeah, it would be a mess in his schedule if he didn't do that. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, I had. I didn't realize scheduling was so important until I was in school when my well-being advisor had given me a work a work schedule 
so I can get my studies mm. done. But unfortunately, you also yeah. have to use that with some common sense. I took it too much <laughs> to heart. I took it too much to heart and just did nothing but study and eat. And I until one day I had oh, a friend. No. Yeah, and I had a friend tell me I look like crap. And I realized. Oh. And I told. Yeah, and I told him that's because all I did was study and eat. Yes. And I realized I needed to take breaks, and that's what I started doing. And then I started feeling a lot better. Oh, that's good. Yeah. No, this is the same thing for me as well. It's like if I don't tell myself that I actually need to get out of the house, I loved lockdown because I could just work inside and I don't ever need to see anyone. So I, you know, a <laughs> bit of social anxiety. So I could just work here and nobody's, nobody's saying it's, it's weird that I'm always inside. So, but now I have to force myself um, to see people. Otherwise I'm just going to become a, Recluse, I think, which is not a bad thing. I don't think that's bad. Anyways. Anyways. Yeah. It was very interesting talking with you and getting to understand things. Same. Thank you. Thank you so much for all your time as well and taking interest in what we do. Um, I'm obviously available to chat and I will keep you updated. Is it, it's read. Hey, I'm saying your name correctly. Yes, it's read. Like you read a book. Okay. I was, I was telling my partner, I'm going to go speak to read. And he's like, well, that's a weird sentence. Speak to read. <laughs> <laughs> it's a, not reading to read. You know, it's like, anyways, that's how his mind works. <laughs> um, but yes, yeah, so I will let you know if I speak to my other, my other friend who's also doing some work on relationships and employment and stuff, and we can just keep in contact because I think there's quite a lot of similarities and topics that we can also discuss via each other and yeah. combined. I would love to get together again and with your friend and just talk about that. That would be great. Okay, awesome. Thank you so much. Thanks for your time. And uh, please tell your mom she did an excellent job because I think moms <laughs> have such a difficult job and, and she sounds wonderful. <laughs> she is. I mean, yeah, we've had a rough couple of days. She wound up with pneumonia and then... And we don't know how, I mean, because we've rarely gone anywhere. And then she had it, she, her doctor wanted to get an echogram to see how her heart was. And then today oh, she shit. had to go, and today she had to go for a stress test. So she had just gotten home. Oh, from a yeah. Long, from maybe a long, have a cup of, coffee, cup of tea with her. Yeah, for a long day. Mm, shame, man. Is she going to be, she's all right, though? Yeah, she's fine. Wise. Yeah, she's fine health-wise. I mean, she's beaten cancer three different times. Jeez, that's amazing. Yeah. That really is amazing. Well, my mom also beat cancer. Women are strong. Mm -hmm. <laughs> We're quite strong, strong force. No, shame. give her a hug from me as well, please. All right, I will. <laughs> okay, have a good day, Reed. What time is it there now? It is 11.21. Okay, it's 4.21. Yeah, my alarm's going to go off now for a walk. <laughs> All right. Enjoy your walk, Carla. Thank you so much. Have a good
We live on.